The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Well, coming up on today's program, we're going to spend a little time talking about the economy. There are hints that a recession or at least some sort of a downturn may be on the way. And how much of this is self-inflicted? How much of this is stuff that could have been avoided? Also, the president now talking about potentially a payroll tax cut as a way to boost the economy, even though he insists that it's still in wonderful condition and it's the best that it's ever been. So what's going on here? Well, I'm not an economist, so I figured I would bring one on the program today to explain what's going on and to give us his perspective on what we should be doing or should not be doing in response to a potential downturn in the economy. Kevin Cotter is my guest. He'll be joining us today. He's the chair of the economics department at Wayne State University. So stick around for some exciting financial talk on The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey, thanks for being here for the show today. Like I said, lots of uncertainty with the economy right now. Are we headed towards a recession? Are we not? What should we be doing? Should we be goosing the economy right now, so to speak, to trying to jumpstart things to keep this momentum going? Or, or are tax cuts a bad idea right now? Were tax cuts a bad idea before? Lots to talk about. My guest right now is Kevin Cotter, chair of the economics department at Wayne State University. Kevin, welcome to the program. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Well, I, I guess the first question that uh, that we should ask to sort of frame this whole conversation about what's going on with the economy and, and ways to deal with it is, uh, from an economist's perspective, how close are we to to dealing with a recession? Are there signs there that there's going to be a downturn? Uh, well, there are signs of a downturn, but what isn't clear is um, when that downturn is going to happen. I mean, keep in mind, we've had an expansion for 10 years, which has been unusually long. Um, so one might guess that we would do for a recession eventually. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, this um, uh, trade war going on with China is um, uh, causing a lot of anxiety right now. And, um, um, you know, businesses are kind of flummoxed about, um, you know, whether they should be hiring people or expanding or what they should be doing. So, um, so the danger is that if businesses start to cut back on hiring and on um, uh, business investment, that that's going to cause a contraction, which could lead to a recession. Okay. So there's fear out there that there's the possibility of, of a downturn of something. And I don't think anybody's predicting a, a downturn of the scale that we saw, you know, 10 years ago. But, um, you know, we, oh, no, I, I, I'm, uh, no, absolutely and not. And we are due for some sort of a, a correction, though. I mean, this has been an unprecedented level of, of, of growth, has it not? Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, now, one of the issues, though, Kevin, is that we're just starting to see wage growth uh, creep up to keep pace with what we've been seeing in, in, in the markets and stuff like that. I mean, 
that seems to be one of those things that's that's always sort of a, a lagging indicator when the economy is getting better. We're starting to see that. What's the potential threat there? Well, um, obviously, if we had a recession, then that would um, um, it probably cut off, um, certainly cut off wage growth. I mean, um, uh, you know, the um, it, it's it's been interesting that you know the job market took a long time to really tighten up. Um, even when the unemployment rate started coming down, there were a lot of discouraged workers that slowly came back into the labor market, and now many of them have, and that's what's led to um, uh, real wage growth. But a recession would um, um, undo all of that. I should remind folks, my guest right now is Kevin Cotter. He's the chair of the economics department at Wayne State University. Uh, The reason we're having this conversation today, obviously, is talk about potentially a payroll tax cut, something that the Trump administration is mulling over. Uh, Of course, the Trump administration has been unwilling to suggest that there are clouds on the horizon here, but they're acting as if they are worried about this. Uh, We see talk of a payroll tax cut. When is the right time to apply an economic stimulus? Is it before while there's jitters there or is it something that you do after you've seen some actual signs that things are contracting? Well, I mean, well, um, obviously, well, usually stimulus happens, um, you know, um, probably later than it should in the business cycle. I mean, the right time really is when the downturn is happening. Um, you know, usually governments will, um, um, you know, apply stimulus um, um, after the damage has been done. But at the same time, if you try to do it too soon, I mean, pax, passing a, um, um, you know, payable tax cut right now would, um, it would certainly increase the deficit and and it could uh, very well lead to inflation. Well, that's that's always the concern. That's what the Fed seems to be worried about. We'll get into them in just a little bit. But um a payroll tax cut. We, we've already had uh, the tax cuts that were passed by the Trump administration. Obviously, they did not necessarily trickle down to the normal folks like me out there. Um, people at the top end of the spectrum seem to do pretty well with this. A payroll tax cut seems to be the kind of thing that could have been done earlier on with about the same impact on the deficit that the current tax cuts have had, but something that would have actually benefited uh, the vast majority of people in the country. Uh, when you take a look at that initial tax cut, what it's done to the deficit is that having an impact on where we stand right now? And is it something that people are worried about? Uh, well, it, the, the tax cut last year, what it, it was meant to spur, it was mostly a business tax cut. It was meant to spur business investments. So the cut went primarily to corporations and investors, um, but it really hasn't had the effect on business investment that they were predicting because, um, you know, businesses are going to invest when they see the uh, possibility of returns from that investment. And um, obviously they, um, you know, they um, um, didn't see those forthcoming. And when they got worried about this trade war, they um, uh, last thing they want to do is to, you know, is to um, invest into a climate that could be very different from what they were predicting. So um, so the tax last year's tax cut, um, as you said, didn't really um, benefit households that much. And it hasn't had the effect on um, a business investment that um, that they were hoping for. Now, obviously, anytime you, you give a tax cut to, uh, you know, normal people, this is money that gets recycled back into the economy. Typically, they've got a, maybe a little bit more to spend, but these aren't, you know, this is money that goes right back in. When you take a look at the different types of tax cuts that are available as tools in the, in the playbook in an effort to stimulate the economy in some capacity, how does a payroll tax rate against, say, uh, the business tax cut that we saw? Well, um well, it, a, well, the um, most stimulating type of tax cut would be one that leads people to spend. So, um, 
Um, well, to use an example, the example that I keep hearing is the um, Obama um, payroll tax cut of 2011, 2012, where um, the um, payroll tax that people pay for Social Security was cut by two percentage points from 6.2% to 4.2%. So, um, and uh, that's on the first $139,000 of uh, people's paychecks. So that, that was money going right, right, right in the pockets of people who are most likely to spend that money. And that did have um, some stimulating effect. At that time, at the, that time, the economic expansion had been pretty weak. We we're still recovering from a, a you know, very, very severe um, you know, recession. And um, um, that kind of tax cut would have more of a stimulating, stimulating effect than the uh, one we just saw last year, because it's going right into the pockets of uh, consumers um, who are most likely to spend that money. But um, right now, it's it's way too early to talk about that um, a stimulus. I mean, um, the economy is already being very stimulating. We're um, um, running a, a uh, budget deficit of uh, close to a trillion dollars, which is um, unprecedented, especially that we're not in a recession. Um, you know, the um, economy is already getting a lot of stimulus and adding more stimulus could very well lead to inflation. Um, if a recession were to um, uh, appear, then that would be a different story. I want to get a sense from you as to how much of the sort of turmoil we're seeing right now is because of some of the erratic positions we've taken on trade. We haven't seen a consistent sort of approach to this uh, since this administration took over. What is that doing to the markets right now? What is that doing to, to the level of certainty that's out there? Well, the one thing that businesses hate is uncertainty and chaos because they have to be able to make plans for uh, 5, 10, 20 years down the road. And um when they came and predict what policy is going to be three months from now, it, it just causes businesses to, um, um, you know, try to be as defensive, defensive as possible. And that's what we've been seeing where, um, you know, one day um, um, the administration's announcing um, uh, tariffs on $300 billion worth of Chinese imports. The next day they're saying, well, they'll uh, wait on some of those tariffs until December and then um, uh, maybe we'll get a deal. So uh, just exactly what's going to happen next is uncertain. The other problem um, I'm seeing anyway is that's not entirely clear just what the administration wants from China. Um, you know, they haven't laid out just what just what actions on the part of the Chinese would satisfy them. You know, they talk about different things like the trade deficit with China, which China doesn't really control, um, or intellectual property, um, you know, theft and uh, um, it, 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 the demands keep shifting and they're so vague and uh you know, unclear that um, um, nobody can see what the end result might look like. I should remind you, uh, my guest right now is Kevin Cotter. He's the chair of the economics department at Wayne State University. Uh, we're talking about sort of the uncertain financial future, economic future that we have here, and some of the things that are factoring into that. Uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the role the Federal Reserve plays in all this. And I think it's important for people to understand this is an independent organization. They need to be immune from political pressure. It's very important if they're going to make rational decisions. Obviously, you have a president who may be in trouble politically, could order them to do certain things that they don't want to do. That's why they're independent. So they don't fall victim to the whims of, of a political climate. Uh, talk a little bit about the strategy the Fed has been employing in terms of interest rates and what they've been trying to accomplish recently. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the um, Federal Reserve had been slowly raising um, 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 raising interest rates as the economy's recovered. You know, you don't want to keep interest rates too low for too long because of the risk of inflation. Um, and uh, of course, uh, recently they cut the um, 
uh, federal funds rate by a quarter of a percent from two and a quarter to two percent, which is still very low. Um, keep in mind that before the last recession, the Fed funds rate was at five percent. So two percent is, is still an incredibly low rate. There's not a whole lot left to cut. So um, um, it's not clear that even cutting the rate to zero would have the kind of impact that people would hope for. But uh, there's a real danger in um, if investors believe that the Fed is bombing to political influence, that could be deadly to the investment climate. Um, what you know, we've seen other countries where their central bank, where their central bank um, came under political pressure and caved, and that ended up leading to um, um, you know basically people losing confidence in the whole monetary system, which then led to inflation and. Um, that's where you get hyperinflation. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen here, but um, back, uh, back in the 1970s, um, you know, the Fed was seen uh, when they were seen as um, uh, bowing to, um, you know, demands by then President Richard Nixon. Um, we had several years of inflation that took a serious recession to um, bring to an end. Well, Kevin, I mean, I look at, at the remarks the president's making uh, towards Jay Powell, of course, who he appointed to the Fed. I should point that out. Yes. Uh, but he said that they have a dangerous lack of vision. He's calling for a full rate uh, percentage point uh, cut here um, and suggesting that our dollar is so strong that it's hurting other parts of the world. And you you see him trying to put political pressure on Jay Powell. It seems that we are far away from the days when, you know, Alan Greenspan, when he was running the Fed, when he spoke, the whole world sort of stopped what they were doing and hinged on every word, right? It doesn't yes, seem that yeah. we're at that place with Jay Powell right now. When you look at what's going on at the Fed right now, how confident are you that they are in control? Well, I mean, for now, well, uh, for now, it seems the Fed is, um, you know, playing it just about right. No, they... Um, they have expressed willingness to cut rates further if conditions warrant, but they're taking um, a cautious wait and see attitude, which I think is, um, you know, right on. I mean, you, you know, you, you don't, we don't want to act too, um, you know, the Fed just, you know, they don't want to act too quickly uh, because once again, um, talked about, you know, predictability. And if the Fed were to go unpredictable, then that would rattle markets as well. Um, the, um, um, but certainly, um, I mean, one concern I'd had has been, um, uh, you know, the um, uh, Federal Reserve consists of more than the chair, you know, Jay Powell, there's, um, you sure. know, an entire governing board. And uh, the, the administration uh, tried to appoint uh, two members to the uh, board who were, um, you know, unsuitable in different ways. And uh, there, there have been concerns that, um, you know, Trump has been trying to appoint people who aren't really experts on monetary policy, but are simply going to do what he wants. And that that would be very uh, dangerous as well. So um, it, it, certainly the Fed's credibility is under attack. I commend them for, um, um, you know, uh, you know, for um, it, it, the, um, uh, the way they've been responding, which is to basically say, OK, we're going to stay the course. You know, this is what we're going to do. Well, when you look at what President Trump has called for, a full percentage point cut, that's typically a level that we would only see uh, in response to extreme contraction in the economy, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 even two percent is very low. I mean, like I said, cutting it could cutting uh, would run the risk of inflation. The other problem is that if it were cut to one percent, then that would not leave very much room for further cut if one were needed in response to a recession. You know, I mean, uh, as it is, the Fed doesn't have a whole lot of room to fight a recession. You know, they can cut rates by most uh, two percentage points. But if they cut the rate now, then, they're, they don't, then they don't have much ammunition left. 
you say you commend them for their uh, basically courage in, in holding off this uh, political barrage that they're dealing with. I, I haven't seen anything like this really in my adult life uh, where the Fed is being uh, you know cajoled this way. Uh, and, and so so I, I'm not I'm not incorrect. I'm not an economist like you are. I'm not incorrect in perceiving it this way. I, you're, you're, you're right on. Well, one other thing that I wanted to talk to you about while I have you, Kevin, is uh, this letter that came out from the Business Roundtable the other day. Uh, the strategy, really, since the 1980s, the, the whole mission of the Business Roundtable, which is this group of uh, influential CEOs, you know, their suggestion is that the role of a corporation is to maximize shareholder value. They came out with a letter the other day signed by Jamie Dimon and a number of other people uh, who are obviously very high up in the corporate chain, suggesting that maybe things are a little out of whack. Uh, that that profits uh, and, and shareholder return is not the only thing corporations should be caring about. Uh, obviously, there's just words on paper at this point in time. But but does that give you any reason to think that there may be sort of a philosophical shift taking place right now? Well, I mean, it, certainly what they said was very nice. I'm waiting to see just what actions um, are, are going to come out of this declaration. I mean, the certainly corporate culture is very different from what it was, say, before, you know, and it was the 1980s that you started having all these hostile takeovers where corporations were seen as uh, not being run um, necessarily in the benefit of shareholders. And then they were subject to takeovers by corporate raiders back in the 80s who, um, you know, who changed um, um, business strategy to uh, maximizing shareholder value. So uh, moving away from that, it's probably going to get going to get some resistance from the investment community, you know, because they, um, I mean, uh, managers are under a lot of pressure to keep, you know, to not only maintain profits, but to keep raising them. And any moves to, um, you know, away from that is going to encounter a lot of resistance. Um, You know, when when you look at corporations, I'll use Costco as an example. I mean, uh, Costco is a very successful corporation, but they do a lot of the things now that Business Roundtable is talking about. You know, they uh, pay their workers much more than, than, than um, employees get at comparable companies like Walmart, you know, they allow their workers to unionize. They um, offer, you know, they offer more benefits and um, Wall Street keeps hammering it, um, criticizing them for um, doing things that they see as not benefiting shareholders. So um, I, I think what the business committees can have to do is to explain to investors just why this change in strategy is going to benefit them. That's going to take a while. Oh, well, it it does seem that it's a recognition, though, that things have, uh, you know, the balance of power has shifted so considerably that, you know, you have people that are working full time in this country that still qualify for public assistance. Uh, mm-hmm. These are not people who are going to be able to buy the very products that you're selling in many instances. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and so, I mean, at some point, that balance has to be restored. Uh, I'm not sure a group of CEOs can get that done, but but what steps will you be looking for to suggest whether or not this is real? One example would be, um, you know, showing that by 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 paying their workers, um, you know, more and offering better benefits that um, that, for example, if they can show that reduces worker turnover, then that um, um, ends up benefiting the corporation as well as their workers. And, um, you know, having better relations with the community, you know, could also benefit. You know, I think the key is to start seeing corporations moving away from what has become a zero sum game mentality where they have to win at the expense of everybody else. But if if we start to see some of these strategies that are more win-win, that um, uh, that other corporations will start to follow um, what they're doing. So what I'm looking for are some, some corporations to step out and to take concrete actions that other corporations can follow. 
Well, I should remind folks one more time. My guest is Kevin Cotter. He is the chair of the economics department at Wayne State University. Sort of a wide-ranging conversation we're having here. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap with this, Kevin. Uh, just, just give me an idea of what you're going to be looking for over the next couple of months to determine what direction we're heading in. What should we be watching as average people to determine whether or not uh, we need to start uh, putting some money away? Uh, well, what what I would be looking at would be um, what's going on with um, you know, what's going on with China. That would be one thing. Uh, um, other thing to pay attention to is um, um, take a look at what's happening in Europe. Um, um, a, a lot of the European um, uh, Union countries, uh, and principally Germany, are slipping into recession, and uh, that's partly due to this trade war. You know, the U.S. trade war hasn't just been with China; it's also been with the European Union and you know, a lot of other countries. And um, if Europe slips into recession, that's going to, that could very well pull um, um, everybody else down, including the U.S. Oh, well, and I'm, I'm wondering, I mean, how much does Brexit have to do with that as well, the problems they're having in Europe right now? Because that's that's still a mess. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we could have a whole conversation on Brexit, believe me. Well, it certainly, um, um, Brexit, well, Brexit, if it looks like we're moving toward a hard Brexit with, um, it, you know, with Boris Johnson, um, you know, running the show now, um, that's going to that's going to be very bad for the um, British economy. Um, I would not be wanting to invest there right now. Um, and you already see you already see investment fleeing um, uh, the UK. You know, the pound's been falling. Uh, the effect in the rest of Europe, uh, there's going to be some um but Europe has other problems um, you know, besides Brexit to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Well, that's a conversation for another day. Kevin, we'll have you back as as things progress, as, as changes happen, uh, if they actually get serious about this tax cut. That'll be interesting to see um, whether or not Congress goes along with that. But that's, a, that's neither here nor there at this point. Uh, we appreciate your time, sir. It's always a pleasure. Okay. A, a pleasure being here. Thank you. Kevin Cotter is the chair of the economics department at Wayne State University and a regular guest here on the program. We always appreciate his time. Thanks for listening today. Uh, keep in mind tomorrow, I'm going to try to have a Rhodes discussion tomorrow. It looks like we're sort of at an impasse in Lansing. I'm going to see if I can get some perspective and uh, I'll give you guys an idea of, of what's happening in Lansing. Maybe. Maybe we'll figure something out. You never know. Then on Friday, quick reminder, the week that was will be here. Nancy Derringer, Alan Lengel, and I break down the week's news, and it has been a doozy. I'm sure that the uh, discussion about Greenland will come in here somewhere. That's something that we didn't get to last week because it was just, just beginning, and now it's getting ridiculous. So we'll talk a bit about that, I'm sure, on Friday's program. Look forward to it. I always have fun. If you've never seen the week that was, I highly encourage you to check it out. I usually stream it live on Facebook while it's happening. Don't know if I'm going to do it this week. I think it's just going to be available as a podcast and video later on YouTube, uh, which I will send a link to on my social media channels. Don't forget, you can reach me via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, LinkedIn, uh, even Instagram. Those are all ways to get in touch with me or send me a good old-fashioned email. Show at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach me. Hope you enjoyed the program today. Hope you learned a little something. That's always the goal. We'll talk again tomorrow. I'll see you then. Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news.
Hey there, my name is Seth Ressler. Hi everyone, it's Becky Scarcello. I am new to the Detroit area. And I've been here my whole life. So we started a podcast together. It's called The D. Brief. Detroit's arts and entertainment podcast. We cover concerts, comedy, plays, food, drink, all kinds of stuff. All the cool events around town, things to do, and the people that are doing them. Can we talk about some of the people we've had as guests on this podcast? Hey, this is Mark Kurlianchik, the restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Ian DeLisi, and I host Essential Music on 1019 WDET. Hi, this is Mark Ridley of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, this is Kate Williams, executive chef of Lady of the House. Hey, this is Mel Town from WRAF in Detroit. This is Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. This is Carmen Hart. Curator of film at the Detroit Institute of Arts. President and founder of Valentine Distilling Company. The general manager of innovation experiences for the Henry Ford. Arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. The Michigan Science Center. Arts Beats and Detroit Public Theater. The Detroit Shakespeare in Detroit. If you like going out in the city of Detroit, you're going to like this podcast. The Debrief Podcast. We like to say Detroit's moving. Keep up. The Debrief. Your guide to Detroit's arts and entertainment scene.